Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We have the opportunity on Harvest Time to tell you the stories of Harvest Baptist Church as we feature interviews with our members and also often other friends of the ministry. We'd like to have you join us this week at Harvest Baptist Church as we begin our morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning, and we'll be back in our series, Pursuing Our Mission, People That Make a Difference, from Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. But let's begin Harvest Time today by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. Good to be back with you, and it's always exciting to talk about what's coming up on the weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. We are continuing the series that we began a few weeks ago. It's going to be going on for some time, so if you have the opportunity to attend at Harvest over the next few months, maybe six months or so, you'll probably get a good dose of the book of Acts, uh, which is awesome because um, you know it describes so much about the early Christians and the history of the church. And so a lot of things to learn, both practically and then, of course, you know, we're talking a lot of things about what, what the church should look like and what the purpose is and why God designed, uh, you know, something like the church to exist during this season. Um, this Sunday, we're going to come back. We've been calling this sort of a journey. It feels like we began in a, a chapter one and we're starting a trip that's going to continue us through the first, you know, couple uh, decades of the, of the church life. Um, but uh, the last part of Acts chapter 1, yeah, we're talking about the people that make a difference, and we get introduced to um, a few more people that are added to the group of 12 and what that means and maybe some of the impact that has on ministry and what ministry should look like. So we'd love to invite anybody that's listening to join us this Sunday. We'll worship together and sing and fellowship, and uh, it'll be a great time just digging in and diving into God's Word. We're really pleased to have along with us Dr. Jason Ormiston. Pastor Ormiston has been at Harvest over the last week as part of our summit meetings. If you were able to listen to us last week on Harvest Time, we introduced him to you via the phone all the way from South Carolina, but we have him live and in person here this morning. And Pastor Jason, glad to have you on campus. Thanks for traveling all the way over here and being part of the summit meetings with us. Yeah, glad to be here. And it's half a day, right? It half is a day. half a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about Impressions of Guam. This is your first visit here, right? It is, yeah. I would say Impressions would be beautiful, tropical, island, first world. Um, has the variety of the beauty of being on, an, on the tropical side, but also the multi-ethnic the nature of the people. I mean, just from all over the world, it seems. And I, I've really enjoyed just getting to meet different people. And it's a, a melting pot of cultures mm-hmm. is another thing. The food's pretty good. I've enjoyed that. The time we've eaten out and eaten with the church family for those meals before the services, those have been fun. And tell us about your family. I know that we talked about this last week, but just as we begin here today, give us a little introduction to your family. Sure. So I've been married for 23 years. I have six kids, and they range all the way from 21 down to five. And the first four are all two years apart. Um, and then wait, we got like a gap. And my son, the nine-year-old, is with me in here in Guam. And uh, it's great to have Judah with us. And then I've got, the, as I said, a five-year-old son. So I've got three girls, three boys. They keep us hopping and mm-hmm. moving. Oldest one is married. So we're kind of 
feeling the sending off and yet still we're going to be hanging on to some for quite a while. So, Yeah, and uh, your family is uh, active in ministry. You're the senior pastor at Palmetto Baptist Church in South Carolina uh, and also uh, really a full-time professor as well in both the college and the seminary at Bob Jones University. That's correct. So they, they're great as far as the family. They understand the multiple responsibilities, and they're very much a part of what I'm doing, engaged. Um, for example, Judah being here, he's taking notes all the time and, and giving me pointers on, Dad, you know, maybe you need to go slower on those slides <laughs> or something. But um, they're used to kind of the pattern of during the school year, full-time at the school, and during the summer, I'm full-time at the church. So there's a little bit of a change in the patterns of things that we're doing. But um, it's been something they've known, uh, either been in school or teaching at a school since I've actually been married is kind of how it's worked. So it's just the way things roll for us. Yeah. Yeah. And you have burdens, of course, in both of these areas. Um, You've been telling us uh, throughout the week of some of the ways that God has transitioned you to these things. Um, But uh, the the church is a a church plan about nine years ago, and God's blessed, it's grown. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the church was started in uh, actually Easter 2010 when we started meeting together. And the Lord has just blessed throughout each year. In the summer, we seem to grow more with core members from the immediate community in the greater Greenville area. And then when it hits the school year, we have an influx of students that come, a large majority from Bob Jones University, but some from Clemson, Tri-County, some from uh, North Greenville, some other colleges. So the, the average age in our uh, church is around 27, so it's a young church, and yet we do have a healthy group of uh, what we call the life group or retirees. They're super active. So it's a multi-generational mm-hmm. church, and, and it's been a joy to just see what God's doing. I've known you for a long time. I've watched the, the way that God has developed your ministry over the years, and you know it's pretty diverse. You spent some time as a youth pastor in an inner city uh, uh, area, a lot of gang-related mm-hmm. connections right there where you youth pastor and part of a church, a church planter on a university-type setting, uh, multicultural, mm-hmm. um, and then now teaching. I know that you've uh, been an adjunct professor in a lot of different places. You speak in different areas. If I were to ask you, uh, you know, what would be the current, maybe the top burdens for you ministry-wise? If you can give us the top three. Yeah, top three. Uh, I think the the first one would be at church, a burden about finding a permanent location for the church family. Mm. Because we've we've struggled, we're renting, and we're growing, but we're growing out of certain buildings that we're in. I think you're telling me your your attendances are run around 600 right. now, and you don't have a permanent location, right? We don't, right. We do own land, so okay. God has blessed us with a piece of property that's paid for, but it's actually not big enough to build and the amount of money it, it costs to build an auditorium. Uh, it's created within us um, a need to be very creative about what we do with church and whether or not we go to multi-campuses or multi-services. And I know these are not new ideas, mm-hmm. but it's forcing us to think that way. So I'd say the facility is constantly on my mind as far as church. But the the second one would be really the leadership development of the men and women that are, are coming to church. I think we have just a, a group of very gifted people, and most of them are underutilized. So I'm constantly praying and thinking about how can we identify the gifts in the church family and then put them into a ministry that they enjoy so that we can multiply. 
that's kind of what those would be the top two. Um, what I would tell you from an academic side, uh, you know, like my trained answer mm-hmm. that I'm always fighting is actually to make my burdens, the principles of God's word, the people he brings us. Then you deal with the programs to meet the needs of the people and then the property. So it's a little bothersome to me that the first thing I think of is property, but I have to care. I've got to care about getting us into, and it's not just me, but leading our church in a way to where we can get into a permanent facility, I think, so that we can multiply. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the picture in the New Testament is is becoming an effective church, fruitful in all of these ways. Uh, And you've had nine years now without a permanent Mm -hmm. home. And God's blessing, of course. I think the church is alive and vibrant mm-hmm. there at Palmetto. But you're sensing some sense of uh, permanence that's needed yeah. for the next phase. Is that what you're feeling? I, I feel like the, the more the years go by, the community is looking for, okay, you guys have been around for a bit. When are you going to put your roots into the ground? And so we, when we tell them we own land, uh, the average member of the community says, oh, okay. you know. And But they're waiting to see. It's, it's the difference of going from a storefront or rental to this is our building, our presence. So that's happening, though, in connection to a lot of opportunities to help revitalize churches. Mm. So as many people are coming in, we are trying to send people out. And and that runs into the tension even within the church about aren't we supposed to be, you know, getting our roots into the ground? And you keep telling people to go. And so there's the there's that missional emphasis that is in my heart to send out. And the need to be like Acts 8, where it talks about everyone left except for the apostles. I think it's in verse 2 or 3 of Acts 8. And, and that was, uh, that's something that's on my mind right now. Yeah. The long-range plan. Yeah. No, that's really interesting uh, in this process of raising up disciples who would be totally committed followers of Jesus. And what does that look like? I mean, it's very typical for all of us to see church in terms of buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, God is growing his church, you know, in your area um, at Palmetto in a, in a different way. And then th- to determine at what point, though, do we have to put right. down these roots? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've been talking uh, during summit meetings, uh, for those of you that maybe are new to this, at Harvest annually in the fall, uh, we have a, a week of meetings what we call summit meetings. And so it's a Sunday through Wednesday. And and uh, so we had that this last week. And then we followed that in the academy with uh, Spirit Week. So uh, Jason's had the opportunity to do a lot of preaching, a lot of speaking over the course of this week. With the church, uh, you spent time uh, talking through the Psalms. You did an overview of the Psalms and then went back specifically to some individual Psalms. But in, uh, I think, the early message, maybe the, the introductory message, you talked about praying the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as we interacted with people after church and really since that time, a lot of people have been talking about that. What, what were you trying to tell us, teach us? Yeah. And what's the, the Psalms, actually, the Word of God, have to say about that? So I found that when I've gone through challenges that I would consider significant, and every one of us defines those differently, but when I get to a point where I don't know what to pray, I don't really know what to say. I just know I'm in a mess. I'm in a bind. Uh, I need God to act. I, I desperately need him to change me or change something, I think, in the circumstance in front of me. I found the book of Psalms to be a great resource to run towards because I can go through and pray different chapters or books of the Psalms. 
and um, re, um, in, in essence, reword what I'm reading. For, for example, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, help me not want things that aren't what you want. Help me really believe that you are my shepherd and you care about what I want. And then you make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters. God, I need that refreshment right now. I need that help for my soul. And so that's the kind of thing. And I have found, and and again, I mentioned this in the meetings, that there's an app called the Five Psalms. I love it because it's free. And I love Mm -hmm. it because it helps you with the approach of reading five psalms a day, or I would say prayerfully read five psalms a day. And it takes the day as it's the 25th right now, and then you add 30 to that, and you add 30 to that. So that becomes a mathematical nightmare if you're not good at math, but the app does it for you. Mm -hmm. And most of the times what you end up seeing is that you'll get through the book um, in a month as you're doing it that approach, and it's really a tremendous blessing. And just pray through it. And don't stress out about praying every verse, but read through it, and as it, oh, that's connecting, pause and pray. I think most of us uh, are familiar with the Psalms as as songs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Psalter that describes this, the singing, maybe even sometimes the chanting of uh, of Israel. I know you talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Psalms of Ascent, um, but in many ways, I mean, these things go together, right? They're not, they're not different. Many of the Psalms were songs that were prayed, and and I think even today, maybe we don't do enough of that, even with the songs that we sing. Many of our songs are continue to be prayers, and I think sometimes we sing them uh, maybe not thinking about the fact that this is a worship prayer to our God, and of course, the Psalms really describe that for mm-hmm. us, give us an illustration of that. Yeah. I think that's really right on when it comes to corporate worship. We should probably pause and think about not just singing a song and what does it mean to me, but praying, prayerfully singing it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, Mm. and spiritual songs, singing and making melody into our hearts unto God. So it's directed towards God, but it's an encouragement to the entire body as we're singing and praying over it and just prayerfully singing. So. Yeah, and we've experienced that this week. I mean, we do normally, um, but uh, I know standing beside you in song services, it really has been amazing. The Harvest family sings, yeah. um, and uh, boy, you just really have a sense of the worship that's taken place. And of course, we can't read people's hearts, but there's something about the corporate body together lifting yeah, up our voices that's really been awesome this week. I know that another one of your burdens, uh, as I've watched and known you uh, through your life, has been in the area of discipleship. In fact, you talked about that the first session t- uh, together uh, on our combined ABFs, Adult Bible Fellowships. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm wondering maybe if I can ask you a couple specific questions about discipleship. I know that your church is actively involved in this. You see it uh, as a clear part of the Great Commission. Um, when you're trying to define discipleship uh, for your church or maybe students that you're teaching, what do you mean? What is it? What's the definition that you work from? What is it looking like? So I would take that as uh, understanding what you want someone else to become, and what you want someone else to become is not you, but is Jesus. Become more like Jesus. So Jesus is our ultimate example. And so what we're trying to do, number one, is be a disciple ourselves. Because if you don't start there with your own heart, wholly committed to the Lord, 
you really don't have anything to share with someone else. Mm-hmm. But then obeying the Great Commission and choosing to make disciples, which is teaching them and helping them understand what you're doing. And then it's not just uh, intellectual, mind to mind. It's actually the idea of teaching them so that they in turn teach others also. So when I would define discipleship, I would say it is one person passing on good news to another who can in turn pass on good news to another, keeping it simple in that context. But you have to start by being a disciple in order to make a disciple. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. If So if someone, if you're talking with somebody and uh, you know they say, man, Pastor Jason, I really want to follow Jesus, but it's so hard to overcome this habit or you know, maybe this besetting issue that I'm really struggling with. What's your encouragement for somebody? You know, there may be somebody listening right now that's saying, boy, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I got some stuff that's holding me back. Yeah. I'd say join the group. You're not alone. So don't feel isolated in that. We all feel that way. And there are times in our lives when we don't feel that way. And then we're reminded of our own sinfulness and our own temptations and, and we make mistakes so don't beat yourself up and think, I can't do this. But I, I always run to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where the scriptures, Paul says, There hath therefore now no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So again, that's, I'm where everyone else is. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with each temptation also provide a way of escape. And in the original language, it's actually the way of escape mm-hmm. that you may be able to bear it. And so what my encouragement to you would be if you're in that situation where you feel like I want to make disciples but I'm struggling with life besetting sin, you need to find the way of escape. And the way of escape is understanding the character of God and what he has done in loving you and sending Jesus to die for you and to rise again. And in that resurrection, he offers victory over that sin you're struggling with. And in fact, another one, and I'm, I'm not trying to preach here, but the Romans six eighteen. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So when you are set free from sin, you are set free from the power and the authority of sin. Too many times we yield that back to Satan and we feel enslaved. If you're a believer, there's no such thing as being enslaved. You're struggling because you have this flesh and you'll struggle until the day you're in heaven. But you can say no at any time because of the power of the gospel. And so just start by saying no to that and saying yes to Jesus. So no to self every time, yes to Jesus every time. And those are, I, I don't mean it to be just slogan Christianity, but mm. man, it makes a difference. I find that I struggle the most when I lose the focus of what brings me true satisfaction. And it's in God. It's not in other things or people or places. You were talking a minute ago about this idea that discipleship is in connection with others. You know, you, you help somebody who is to help somebody, and and it gives us this idea of the importance of community, you know, maybe a buzzword today for church, but we need each other, and that's a critical piece of discipleship, right? It's really yeah. hard to be a disciple of Jesus on your own. Right, definitely. Uh, I think of Galatians 6, 1 and 2. It talks about someone who's overtaken in a fault. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And then it uses that verse that's so powerful. Bear ye one another's burdens, Mm -hmm. and so fulfill the law of Christ. So yes, in community is important, but what does it mean to fulfill the law of Christ? 
and I would encourage you to go back into chapter 5, verse 13, which talks about the law of Christ, which in quick summary is walk in the Spirit, and this is going to be a natural overflow. Mm-hmm. Making disciples is not something you have to work at. You just have to follow hard after Jesus, and while you're doing it, you're so overwhelmed with it, you see someone, hey, let me tell you about what I'm learning, or you see someone down and not doing well, and you want to encourage them, and you want to help bear that burden. It's just part of the gospel. We've been talking a lot at Harvest about discipleship, really just because we're talking about our purpose. And of course, you know, Matthew 28, mm-hmm. Acts 1, they both, you know, these main purpose clauses in the scriptures, they, they both come back to this idea that if we can narrow it all down to its most simple form, it's calling us to be disciples. We've been using this term sort of informally, but you know, if we made it as simple as possible, God's calling us as a church, we've been talking about this at Harvest, is to be a disciple-making church, hmm. right? So if everything else is to the outside, what are we supposed to do? And we're, we're supposed to be a disciple-making church. This hmm. is what God's called us to. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges for the church, all right? So it would be, you know, our church here on Guam or other churches that are here locally on the island, uh, your church there at Palmetto, others that you're connected with. If we're going to fulfill the mission of being disciple-making groups, bodies of Christ, what are the biggest challenges uh, to being effective in that today? Yeah. To me, it's a lack of willingness to embrace how difficult it is to remain on mission. I think of Second Timothy in, in chapter 4. It talks about in the latter days, men will have tickling ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... It, it's hard work to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So we need to be willing to put in the work necessary to become a disciple again so that in turn we can make disciples. And we do get easily distracted. We get easily distracted yeah. by things that are petty, that are all about preferences, and they're not about the main thing. So if we could figure out what Augustine is made you know, popular for saying, in the essentials, unity, in the non-essentials, liberty – but in all things, charity. And so that is a motto to live by when it comes to trying to direct our church, figuring out what is essential. And everyone has different views on that. I think we need to rest on the leaders of the church to determine that. I'm seeing, thinking the pastors of the church to determine that. But then coming back and saying, that's a non-essential thing. We're just going to have liberty in that and all of these things, treating each other with, in a loving way, we just don't do that. Mm-hmm. We, we just want what we want, and if it's not that way, we throw a fit or we leave. And if we're always dividing, we're not actually making disciples. Yeah, we say around here that we believe in church unity, not necessarily church uniformity. Yeah. Church uniformity means we all look exactly the same. Church unity means we're all going in the same direction. All right, so we have to have unity. And there's some core foundational doctrinal principles that that are critical for us, for us to go in the same direction. Right. We believe some things differently about certain things. We're not going in the same direction. It's, it's hard to be effective. Right. Um, but we don't all have to look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think maybe that's a little bit of what you're talking about, this idea yeah. of charity in these areas. Mm-hmm. So. Well, listen, I know that we're out of time. We've really appreciated you and Judah being here for this week. I know that your church sacrifice, your students as well, your family, for you to be out here. But thank you for making the trip. Thank you for being used of God in the life of our church. 
And you know, just personally for me, thank you for your friendship. It's been yeah. good to have you here and get this personal time during this week. Glad to be here. And I really do feel the recipient of more blessing than I'm giving off to you guys. So this has been great. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, as always, we want to personally invite you to services this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. We begin Sunday morning, starting at 9.30 a.m. We have children's programs, adult Bible fellowships, and our morning worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. And we'll be back in our series, Pursuing Our Mission, People That Make a Difference, from Acts 1, 12 through 26. You can stop at our Welcome Center, which is right out in front of the auditorium, to get directions to your class or to your children's class. And if you want more information, go to hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time. Harvest Time.